In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Hort Week editor Matthew Appleby and today I'm with the new Garden Centre Association Chief Executive, Peter Burks. So welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Excellent. Now, we've just had the uh, the GCA conference quite recently in Blackburn. And um, at the GCA conference, we heard an upbeat economic forecast from economist Roger Martin Fagg. And everybody lapped that up. They really liked to hear that good news. So are you, are you hearing good news about 2023 from, from the garden centre sector? Uh, yeah, so far we are actually. I think the last time I looked at the barometer of trade, which is something the Garden Centre Association does with its members, where members are able to put figures into a database and then look at uh, uh, other members' figures. Um, I think for the first time, we are showing a small increase in trade compared to 12 months ago. So that is encouraging. Obviously, not everybody's put their figures in yet because <laughs> that'll go on for another few weeks. But but it's uh, it's certainly good news. But I do agree with you. You know, Roger Martin Fagg's uh, uh, both straightforward, I thought, which was really good. He made it very simple and he showed some very simple uh, diagrams and graphs of where we are and why things will change or won't change. And I thought that was really good. And I was also particularly pleased. He said that the what you read in the media is often so far away <laughs> from where it should be. And I, I, that's always mystified me because... You know, so often when you do know something about something, what seems to be reported is not what you know. So, you know, I'm pleased he said that as well. No, no, indeed. I guess other economists are available, though, and some will have a more downbeat view. I mean, there are clouds on the horizon, aren't there? You know, people are talking to me about inflation and energy price rises, and, you know, that could uh, bring quite some problems in, say, garden centre catering with price rises for food and price rises for heating, cooking, lighting. You know, there, there are... Um, there are pressures, aren't there? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I think actually catering is probably a really good example where 
the inflationary side of it has obviously driven prices up quite significantly over the last 12 months, I would say. So you might see a small increase, but actually volumes, I think, are down. And that's certainly, again, something that I've noted in, in recent times. What can you do about volumes then and footfall? How, 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 how can you rise them up or does it not matter if you're still turning over the same amount? Well, I suppose business-wide, it doesn't really matter too much. In fact, in some ways, ideal. If you can make more money out of less customers, it's it's really good. But that could be a bit of a slippery slope, couldn't it? You get less customers, less customers, less customers. In the end, you've got no customers at all, have you? And you can't go down that route, really. I mean, I think from a garden centre point of view, in all my time in the industry, the weather plays a far bigger role than any other outside influence. And I think give it a chance to everybody to get used to what's going on, to get used to the cost of of uh, of uh, energy and those sorts of things and i think people will still come to garden centers you know my view is we're a very easy place to shop nearly always you've got free car park large free car park large undercover areas so we're very now weatherproofed as we like to say and people can come in spend an hour or two there have a nice walk around you know it's very leisurely and hopefully also spend some time in the restaurant cup of tea lunch and that sort of thing and I think that might be another thing with where catering is concerned. And I'm convinced this is something where if people are going to spend some money, why not spend it on food? You're going to have, we all have to eat. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to get out, have some nice food. And again, I think garden centre restaurants have improved so much over the, over the years, the quality of the food and the quality of the ambience. You know, they're good places to come out for lunch nowadays. And, you know, I'm sure if we do a good job, it will keep people coming and it will keep people coming back so that should be a good thing um so do you think that uh, 2023 is back to normal and it is i mean you you say whether will be the biggest influencer but in the last two or three years there's been other bigger influencers notably covid so is that is that all over now and we're just back to back to back to normal well, you're dead right there. COVID was a massive difference and I suppose completely unique. You know, we've never had anything like that before. So I think that's why it's a bit different. And, you know, the fact that people couldn't go out, that people had to do things completely differently. And I think that obviously skewed figures, you know, quite significantly. Now, like like you just said, really, hopefully things are back to normal, as normal as they can be. And we've always had these other things going on, haven't we? The economy always is going up and down and and have an influence on what people do but like i say if people want to garden they want to get outside they want to enjoy their space you know then they will be doing that i think just the same as they always have done no 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 indeed it's a they always say that gardening does well in a, a recession and roger martin fag says the recession won't be as deep as what we think so Sounds like we are a bit more back on an even keel, which is good news. Definitely. Excellent. Now, just going back to the GCA conference, you obviously choose your best centres. There's a lot about the inspections and about best practice and quality. But there's hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of garden centres which aren't, um, you know, reaching that standard. Or maybe they are, but they're just not involved in, in the association. So how do they tap into that GCA expertise? Well, one of the things we do do is we actually, after the conference, we share the inspectors' presentations on the GCA website, which so other people could have a look at those. Um, and that that obviously is a good way. I think the inspectors, in my view of the inspectors' presentations, you know, they go up on stage, 
and show you, you know, whatever they, where, whichever regions they've been to, or this year, obviously there was a, a definite um, focus on sustainability and the growing greed in garden centres. So they go up and show you pictures from 50, 100 garden centres, which is far more garden centres than you can usually probably visit in a year, let alone in the course of a few hours. And so you see best practice, which you can then copy. So I think for people who are there, and then now for people who aren't there but can still access the presentations, you can get a few, I think, really good ideas about how you can improve your business and change it going forward. And then just as a general thing, I think, you know, having come from both independent garden centres and um, corporate business, you know, the chains, you know, when you're in a, a in a group of garden centres and you've got 40 or 150, however many it might be, you know whether you're doing well. Each centre is doing well, not doing well, which areas it's doing well in, which areas it needs to improve in, and so on. Whereas if you're just an independent on your own, whilst you think you might be doing well, you don't actually know whether you're doing far better than everybody else or you're doing well, but actually you're not doing quite as well as everybody else. And that is where being part of an organisation like the GCA I think is a big help to people because it will just give you the chance to uh, improve and whether that's improve in just small areas, some departments because you're very good in others or right across the board, it just lets you know where you are and, and, and you know, and take can take you forward into uh, hopefully a better place. Oh, brilliant. Um, are you looking to expand? Are you looking for new members? I would say definitely. I think the more men, members, the better. And, and again, probably at this time with... Um, you know the, the the difficulties, if you like, that we've we've just been discussing on the horizon, or even with us already. You know, now is even more a, a better time to be involved with other people because then you can share, you know, what you're feeling and what you're seeing and and uh, how your trade is going with others, and that will help you to again, hopefully, move forward in a, in the right direction, in a better direction. But you know, I would say the more the merrier because the more members and 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 really, you know, I. I don't know what the figure is for how many garden centres there are, but, you know, usually it's banded around some like two and a half thousand. So you think our 203 members is not a huge proportion, but equally, you know, we we, we do want, you know, to be the better garden centres and the best garden centres, but there's still plenty out there who could join who aren't currently members. Now, you mentioned sustainability. What are the biggest strides do you think that your members have made moving forward in sustainability recently? What did you pick up on that? I think the approach has been a bit variable. I think some people are still thinking, you know, we've got to run our business to make money. So therefore, you know, some of that is a bit, not, you know, they're, they're not interested in engaging fully with it, perhaps. But again, as, a, as at least one other speaker mentioned, you know, it's not optional. This is going to be something we've got to do. And, you know, we've got to go down that line. So I think where things have really happened is in peat and the peat compost and re- taking peat out of compost, which obviously is a challenge because peat is a very, very good growing media. It's enabled people in the past to grow crops who or plants that they, they probably weren't actually skilled enough to do. But because the peat is so good at you know holding moisture, holding nutrients and so on, it's, it's given them success, whereas some of these new ones you know, still need work doing on them, or you've got to be a bit more understanding about feeding and watering than you ever would have done before. So, but of course, most people have had to do that again, because the government have set these uh, targets about when this has got to be out of, you know, the the peat's got to be out of compost completely. So that is a big issue. But we also heard, you know, how people are tackling um, things like uh, um, 
products that perhaps come from abroad you know anything that's got any that travels any distance is always going to have a very high carbon footprint so that's something that we have to look at how useful is it you know is it really just a single use product that's then going to be thrown away and i know centers are looking at that and saying we aren't going to stop these sorts of things going forward even though they make us money and of course we heard how in christmas people are looking at using products that don't have glitter that can be recycled that are made from recyclable um recycled products and so on so you know a, a lot of 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 new things are going on which i think you know all of us need to take on board and develop further professor dave golson spoke at the conference and he suggested that garden centers should uh, not stock any pesticides or insecticides what do you what do you think of that well uh, yeah he, he he was good and controversial which is really good i like that because that provokes thought and I suppose in some ways, if you think about it, you know, back again to, to my early days in the industry, there was loads and loads and loads of chemicals. And, you know, you had a chemical for every problem, which you don't have that anymore. But still, I suppose the answer is you've got to use as little as you can if you can set your garden up properly. And I've certainly got first hand of experience of doing this in my own garden. You can if you don't use pesticides then you do end up with a really good balanced ecosystem and they seem to keep themselves pretty much under control and of course the other side of it is you will find that people panic when they see i don't know their roses covered in green fly and think right i've got to squirt them with something and kill them off whereas actually they aren't really going to do a lot of damage to that rose it's not going to uh, harm it and 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 pre- prevent it from performing well and of course, once there's a decent crop of green fly on it, then you will find that the natural predators will come and start eating them. So, you know, I do think there's there's ways around it without us having to be too too um, panicked into into doing you know things that we don't need to do. So perhaps we ought to have some safe pesticides, but I would say probably even now we could get away with stocking less than we do. No, well, it could be a, a day that's reasonably soon. Who knows? Um, what's your background? We, you are quite a well-known name in in the gardening industry. You've been around for a, a number of years, and uh, you've got a family background in the industry. My background, I would say, I, I was always interested in growing. My father was a, was a big grower, and he grew well even long before we we actually were brought up on a farm but even before we made it to the farm he used to grow a lot of bedding plants i remember lining out the blue lobelia the white allison the in neat rows and and salvias back when i was you know preschool even so that's probably where i started from and so i was interested in growing um on the farm my father grew uh, organic vegetables and he moved into ornamentals from doing that and i was always interested in that so i went to university at bath and read horticulture so you know i've got a proper scientific degree in it and then i went into nurseries because i thought I, I like growing so i want to grow but actually you sort of realize that you've got to sell what you grow so growing good quality plants is very important but then you've got to be able to sell them because that's what obviously makes business. And I worked with my parents for quite a number of years um, and then have been at various other garden centres, as I alluded to earlier, both in independence and in the chains. And within my family, also my brother did exactly the same as me. He went to University of Bath and now runs his little chain of 
Garden centres in Somerset and Dorset. So, um, you know, yeah, all, all, all the family is quite keen on their growing. So you worked at Independence, you know, when Sanders was an independent and then in the chain when it was bought by Wyvale and then you worked for Blue Diamond too. So what was the pros and cons of working for those different types of groups? Well, I suppose the big advantage of independence is you can do what you think is right all the time. So if you're in charge as a manager or managing director, as I was then, you can change things that you think you want to change and you can challenge your team to do it. And, you know, things happen according to how you want to do it. And of course, you can do that very quickly. So, you know, you can think in the morning, I want to do something differently and it can happen straight away. And so, you know, you can be very dynamic and equally, you know, you've got to know that you perhaps don't always know exactly what's going on. But we were members of the Garden Centre Association back then. And so that was one of our reasons for joining was to know how we were doing compared to the rest of the industry. Then, of course, if you move into a corporate world, you are much more dependent on other people. So you depend on other people making the right decisions in their buying, in in making sure they're, they're supplying you with the right quantities, the right ranges. And, you know, I would say, you know, most garden centers are very different in what they sell, what they sell lots of, what they perhaps can't sell any of at all. And you've got to hope that the buying teams will understand and the marketing teams will understand that. And, of course, you they don't change very quickly so they they you know you might have a good idea but it's got to usually go through several people before it can become um common practice or before somebody agrees to it or even disagrees to it so you know the the changing is definitely much much slower but you do have the advantage of all the time you know you can be in a league table of knowing how well you're doing on any single topic that you might wish to know so you know there is some benefits from that point of view I was at the BPOA conference recently and, and Boyd Douglas Davis from British Garden Centres um, and the HGA, um, uh, he was quite damning about Wyvale's role in the supply chain and um, particularly in sort of buying plants. Um, so obviously though, all those centres have been sold now to the likes of British Garden Centres and to independents as well as Blue Diamond and Hilly and loads of other people. So how, how good a thing do you think that is for the industry that that big player has gone? I would say probably that is a good thing because it was very big. You know, they were um, 150 garden centres at the end. You know, that is a big area. And I would say, you know, as they took over garden centres, a garden centre could be buying off a local nursery, you know, or smaller suppliers. And then, of course, the minute they get consumed into the Wyvale machine, of course, they aren't going to deal with any of those people anymore. They're only going to deal with whoever their agreed suppliers are. And, of course, they would tend to deal with less and less suppliers but who are doing bigger and bigger you know supplying bigger and bigger amounts to them and so generally speaking i would have said that that wasn't really good for the industry so i think now it's been broken up it will help more and again you know again as i mentioned earlier you know i think plants as anything we should be dealing as locally as we can so deal with local suppliers who are just down the road you know that helps it both in your supply because the more local they are the quicker you'll get stock as well as, of course, the more local they are, the less uh, fuel or or whatever is being used to supply you. And I think that's also a very important thing we've got to consider. Noah Boyd was saying that, you know, even though they've got 62 centres nationwide, they can still get supplied locally. So that is, that is good news. Now, you have moved out of that day-to-day garden centre 
public facing role to the GCA. So how much are you enjoying your new role and what plans have you got for the GCA? Yeah, well, I'm loving the move because, uh, you know, it's nice to be involved in the industry, in the wider industry, if you like, and being able to chat with, you know, lots of different people to hear people's ideas and, you know, where they're going with their garden centres or even with suppliers, where they're going with products. Um, and that and that is really nice to hear and nice to be involved with. So I've really enjoyed the time so far. It's only been a month, so it's not very long, long in the new role, but you know it's uh, it's certainly been good. And from my point of view, I think you know the I want to make the association stronger. It'd be nice to think we make the association a bit bigger. But the most important thing is we encourage the, the people within it to engage with the various parts of it, and uh, particularly you know I think. As I've already said, you know the 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 um, communication within between members is very very important. So if you are a member, you you know you can speak to anybody. They they will always give you a good opinion back, even if it's just down the road. You know, so it's not a, a very uh, there's no conflict between people. And of course, um, you know, there's the other parts of it. The inspections I think are very important in the a you know having somebody from almost like external come to your business and judge you whether you're whether you or make comments on whether they think you're doing things well not so well and compare you to everybody else is a very positive thing the barometer of trade also very useful if you want to join that again to help a bit more in in seeing how well you're doing compared to everybody else and the e-learning which of course you know i think with all for all staff the more staff know the better um, equipped they are to deal with customers and so, you know, the more useful they are to the business and hopefully the, the more the business will benefit from, from that knowledge. So that's something, again, we need to develop more, uh, take the courses, more courses, there's loads of courses already, but more courses that people can do. And of course, now is a good time of year to be doing it when you're not quite so busy with customers. You can sit in front of a screen for a little while and catch up on the learning. And, and um, you know, obviously there's a certain amount of legal stuff that has to be done as well. So, you know, we can provide that for people too. Excellent. Now, uh, I guess you're travelling around a bit and you plan to do more to visit the centre. So uh, are there any examples of best practice that you could, you've you seen which you'd like to sort of spread the word about? Well, I haven't been to too many so, so far. But actually, what's been interesting, because conference, of course, took up all my time when I first uh, arrived. And so it's only really been a week since then that I've been able to go out and see. But what I want to do is speak to members and, and ask them, you know, what, they, what benefits they see in the GCA, what they learn from the GCA. One, I can mention, I, I took a, a plaque to Pacific Nurseries because they were in the a Garden Centre of Excellence. They they ranked ninth last year and uh, they weren't able to make it to conference. So I took the plaque to present to them in the Garden Centre. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, what what drove the big increase in places, you know, from where they were ranked the year before last in 2021 to, to 2022? And they said, well, because there was no conference, uh, all the presentations were done online. So they all the staff were able to watch the presentations. And from that, they all bought into the, the changes that were, were, were suggested and could be made. And that was what drove them up the rankings, which, you know, that's already, 
you know, struck a chord with me to think, mm, well, we need to get these presentations out to everybody. Um, and hence, they, the inspectors' ones are, are, are on the website now. No, there was certainly a lot of inspirational stuff there. And uh, no, it's all, all, we all had lots of fun in Blackburn. That, that's for sure. Now, we always finish the uh, Hawk Week podcast, Peter, by asking people their desert island plants. What plant would you take to a desert island if you could only choose one? Away you go. Cool. That is really hard. That is really hard for me as I look like so many plants. I suppose my favourite sort of plants are trees. Don't ask me why I think trees, but other than they are such statements and they are so long lived, I always think it'd be lovely if you could actually speak to a tree because it could tell you so much about what had gone on around it over the last two, three, four, you know, maybe 900 years. And that would be absolutely fascinating. Um, so trees, if I'm going to choose a tree, I'm going to go for a red horse chestnut. Really spectacular flowers, great big candles of flowers. If you look at each individual floret too, it's very, very attractive, very detailed flower. Um, but in flower, they are magnificent trees. And of course, they produce conkers for boys to be able to play with afterwards. So it's all good. Excellent. Uh, superb. Well, thanks for that, Peter. Been lovely chatting to you, Peter Burks. GCA Chief Executive and I'm Matthew Appleby, Hawk Week Editor and this has been the Hawk Week Podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hawk Week Podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Once again, thanks to Peter and goodbye until next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.